Hey, harvest time. It is so good to be here with you in Arkansas. I want to bring greetings from our church in Alaska, Church on the Rock. And uh, man, I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. I've been following the series of Elevate. And today we're really going to be talking about how we can live mission-shaped lives, elevating our visibility. Just a little bit about myself. I was born in the jungles of South America to missionary parents. Lived there for nine years. My parents, of all things, moved to Alaska uh, so I went from being a jungle boy to being an Arctic kid and uh, spent 17 years commercial fishing and then God called me into his mission of planting churches. We started a church uh, back in the year 2000, just a few families in a home. It grew from there. We had to find a facility. That facility, we had to break out the walls, go to two services, three services. We started uh, building a building and then we started planting churches and because of the increase and because of what Jesus talks about in the Bible, the principle of multiplying, we found out that we would have to go multi-site around uh, the communities of Alaska, and so we've been doing that, and so we're going to be talking today about elevating our visibility for the glory of God. I want you to know that I am married to a wonderful woman named Lorraine. We've been married for 22 years. She is fabulous, fantastic. She is beautiful, and if I think too much more about her, I'll just get distracted with my sermon. Uh, I have four wonderful kids. Uh, one is 20 years old and three are teenagers. How many have teenagers here today? Give an applause if you have teenagers. Man, that was a little weak there, you know. When, when those kids were born, you would have been going around showing everybody their picture, you know. And, but after a while, they kind of wear you down, don't they? But teenagers are amazing. Uh, my 20-year-old, she's in Bible college, uh, in Bethel at Redding, uh, California. My next one is Jessica. She's 17 years old, and she feels a call to Uganda to do missions work, and so she's going to be heading over there this upcoming year. And then I have a set of twins. Emily is, uh, uh, she's 15 years old. She has a twin brother, Colton. And Emily, I had to leave to come down here at 3 in the morning, and she got on Facebook and posted, and she said, Dad, she goes, I'm sorry I couldn't get up to say goodbye to you. She said, I miss you tons, and I can tell that Mom misses you tons, and I love you, and she said, I'll be praying for you, and backslash three, which means heart. I tell you what, when I saw that, man, I, I wept like a schoolgirl at a Jonas Brothers concert. I really did. <laughs> and then I have a son, Colton. He's 15 years old. He shot his first bear at age eight, and uh, this last year, uh, he got his first moose, and you know, he's 15 years old, and he's been giving me the look. So you dads that have boys 14 or 15, you know the look where they look at you, and all of a sudden you realize that your son thinks that he can take you, and man, he's getting kind of big. I think he might be, end up, you know, kind of the level of uh, Pastor Marty there, but I still feel I got another year or two of being able to do this to him, you know, come on. So I want you to know I love my family. I love the church. I love God's idea of church, uh, of a family that can be connected one with another to give him glory on the earth, and I love the Word of God, and I think it a great privilege to be with you today to share about increasing our visibility. You know, we learn early in life about hiding things and about covering up what we don't like. We start playing the game of hide and seek. We put makeup on to cover blemishes on our faces. And uh, those of you that are hunters, you like to camouflage yourself so you can get a deer. But as Christ followers, we are called to display and manifest the kingdom of God everywhere we go. And so we're talking about today increasing our visibility, and we're talking about being light. Now, everyone here, I'm sure you've had so many experiences with light and darkness throughout your lifetime. 
For me, I was thinking of some of the more memorable ones of being a small boy in a, in a little dugout canoe in the jungles of Peru, going out alligator hunting with my father, and he would shine a flashlight looking for the eyes of the gators in this little canoe just a few inches of freeboard over the water with a spear, and I grew up as a kid experiencing that, and so uh, the flashlight in the dark uh, is a memory of mine of light in darkness. In Alaska, right now, if you live in Barrow, Alaska, from the end of November to the end of January, the sun never rises. You're so far north, imagine that, the sun not coming up for two months. It's just pitch dark. Or in the summertime, like when the Sloans were with us, they were freaking out last summer because it's, it's light 24 hours a day. And that's what we get to experience there. Or in the wintertime, the wonderful northern lights and the experience of beholding the beauty of that. And so, so many experiences all of us have had with light. But the truth is this, that light is more powerful than darkness. You have to get this today. Light is more powerful than darkness. You walk into a room and you flip the switch and immediately there is no debate, there is no argument Immediately, light is simply more powerful. Light overcomes the darkness. The darkness is unable to extinguish light, and light puts chaos to flight. You know, in the Garden of Eden, darkness attempted to win. It attempted to, to win for all time, and it appeared that with what happened with Adam and Eve, that victory was achieved by darkness. But God showed grace, and he foretold of a way out. And while mankind waited for the solution, God honored faith, and darkness thought it ultimately won at the cross. When Jesus, the Son of God, was nailed there, darkness thought it had light beaten. But I want to tell you, the creator of life is more powerful than the destroyer of life. Darkness suffered a, a total defeat at the tomb, and darkness is unable to overcome the power of light. And I want to tell you, if you are a child of God, you are a son or a daughter of light. And so today our big idea is increasing our visibility. How do we increase our visibility? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll look at verses 14 to 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these powerful words that we are reading today. And God, I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay. And God, you would anoint the ears in this place to hear and to apply what we are reading today. Lord, we give you all glory and all praise for what you are doing in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And here, Lord, at harvest time. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. We have to have some historical context for what Jesus is teaching about so we can fully understand this. You see, cities that were built on a hill were built so that they could be visible, that you could see them as you approached. Jerusalem was a city like this. So as you approached the city, you could see it. The city could not be hidden. People back in those days, they were not traveling into the city of Jerusalem at 45 or 55 or 65 miles an hour, or 85 or 95, some of you teenagers. They were, they were not coming in that fast. They were riding donkeys or camels. They were walking. Or maybe uh, it was like the song Chug-a-Luggin' at five miles an hour on my international harvester. They, they were just coming in really slow, approaching the city. 
a city set on a hill, it was not something to be missed. It was to be visible and seen. A lamp in those days, it wasn't something that you just brought out for a camping trip. It, it wasn't there for when the electricity went out. There was no electricity. A lamp is what was used every day to light up the rooms that you lived in when the sun went down. John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. Later, Jesus talked to the people again saying, I am the light of the world. The person who follows me will never live in darkness, but will have the light that gives life. This statement that Jesus makes is during a special feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And in the temple treasury stood four massive golden candelabras, and they were topped with huge torches. And they were said to be as high as the highest walls of the temple. And every day, the young priests would climb up and they would fill four great bowls that held over 20 gallons of oil in them. And when they would light these torches, the flames would illuminate, it, they say, all of Jerusalem. And travelers that were coming could even see the light that was coming from Jerusalem. It was in this very same place in the temple that the next morning, Jesus, he proclaims with all of the smells and the memories of what took place the night before, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. How many are thankful that Jesus says, I am the light of the world? And whoever follows me has this light that gives life. John 8 tells us that Jesus is the light and that we have the light if we are followers. Matthew 5 said that you are the light. You have to get this today, that you are the light. You are who God says you are. You are light and you are called to reproduce that light. You see, here today what we have is we have a gathering of this faith community called Harvest Time. And it's a wonderful thing. And even in the worship and the praise and as people were filtering in, you, I, I could just see the spiritual light that is housed in this place. But not only do we need to gather in great numbers, but we need to scatter out into every corner of our community to bring the light of Jesus because his light is in you and you are the light. It's really a simple concept. It's a very simple metaphor that we read in the scriptures. You know, we, many of us uh, in the church, if you grew up, we sang this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And, and we sang that song and, it, and it's true, but we cannot remain this light being little. Philippians chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 says this, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You see, not only are you a light, but you are a star. This is another biblical metaphor. And the Bible says that you would shine like a star. Now, stars are beautiful and they are powerful. A star that goes supernova can outshine an entire galaxy. A star that goes supernova. Stars are beautiful and they are powerful. It's kind of it's kind of like the Sloans. You have beauty and you have power. Now, Marty, you got a little beauty too, buddy, but, but she's the beauty and you're the power. He took me down to the gym and, tr and tried to get me to lift weights with him. Man, that lasted a few minutes and I went to what I, I do better. I started hiking on the treadmill. and uh, So we got beauty and we got power. And as I was thinking about this scripture and about ministering here at Harvest Time, the Lord downloaded this thought into my spirit, into my heart as I was thinking on this. What if harvest time was able to go supernova with the light of Jesus Christ here in Fort Smith? With the light of his glory, being able to eradicate darkness everywhere that our light shines. 
Remember, when light confronts darkness, there is no debate, there is no argument. Light is simply greater. So imagine with me a sustained, spiritual, missional supernova. Imagine the power that can be unleashed and demonstrated in this community as you shine brightly, as you take tangible grace and crazy love and a vibrant glory all throughout this community and even to the ends of the earth. You see, I know the vision that is in Pastor Marty, and it extends beyond Fort Smith. You know, in my spirit, I long for the day, and I know many of you do, when it can truly be said that the earth is full of the glory of our Lord. You see, people need hope. They need hope, and light gives hope. Light gives hope. Years ago, uh, I read the story of this group of graduate students, and they did a very bizarre experiment. They took lab rats, and they put them in a tank of water, and they placed the tank in a totally dark room. And uh, they went into an adjoining room, and they had some video equipment set up to study and monitor these lab rats that were in this dark room in this tank of water. And they wanted to see how long they could tread water and live without any light. And so the, the rats, uh, they swam for six hours, and then they finally succumbed and they died. Now, I apologize if there's any PETA people here today. Um, we don't have too many that attend our church in Alaska. I'm sorry, Pastor Marty, but it's just an illustration, all right? And, and the lab rats lasted six hours. And their hypothesis was that light would give the rats hope, and they would survive longer. And so as it turns out, they, they had another study. They put more rats in this tank of water, and they had a little lamp that shone just a little bit of light. And this next group of rats lasted over 17 hours. Now, the truth I want to get across is this, is not that light is going to give you an extra measly 11 hours of life on this planet. That's not the point. The point is this, that light gives hope. And we need the light of Jesus and this church to be vibrant. Actually, maybe better said, this community needs the light of Jesus and this church to be vibrant. Let's face it, it's a dark world apart from Jesus Christ, apart from his light that gives life. There's darkness all around us. There are families riddled by drugs, individuals killed by drunk, careless drivers, parents going through divorce, leaving children in the middle. People are burdened with cancer and other terrible diseases. Old, the older generation, many times they're lonely. They have nobody that is emoting and connecting with them on an emotional level. So much brokenness, so many that desperately need the light of Jesus. They need forgiveness. This last Saturday, just yesterday, there was a funeral that we had up at our north campus. And I remember back when this individual came to our church about six months ago. And he was a tall uh, Native American man. And in our call for salvation that day, he was one that raised his hand really high to make a commitment to Christ. And I got to meet him afterwards, learned his name, Stephen. And he said, but I go by, many call me chief. And got to hear a story and the grace of God that was beginning to work in his life. Tragically, two months ago, a tragedy happened where... His daughter and his grand, two grandkids were killed in a fire in a trailer by the father of those kids who killed his daughter, the two children, killed himself, and set the trailer on fire. And it took over two months because the, they, they would not release the bodies because of the investigation that they're doing. And all this time, can you imagine what, what you would go through? It's unthinkable, the horror of that and how to deal with the emotion of that, losing your daughter and, and your grandchildren and that they were killed by the father of your grandchildren and to deal with this. And, 
And just a few weeks ago, he shared, he's been continuing to come to church. He said, Pastor, he said, you know what? He said, there's a great pull to try to pull me back into things that I used to do to, to try to make myself feel good. But he said, I want you to know that I am sticking it out. I'm remaining in the love of Jesus, and I'm going to be a Jesus worshiper. And I don't understand it, but I want the grace of God in my life. See, I'm going to tell you what he is doing is he is allowing the light that is within him to shine brightly in ways that, honestly, I, just being honest with you, I can't even imagine what he's going through. You see, your testimony carries power. Your testimony carries power. This church, I believe, is a great church, but it's only as good as the testimonies that it represents. When people come to this church, to this gathering, there has to be a little Jesus in the building, amen? There has to be some testimony here. There has to be some light in this place. A testimony is the spoken or the written record of anything that God has done in your life. You are living epistles. You are a visible book. People need to hear your story. They need to hear your testimony. Don't camouflage your testimony. Don't hide it. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is the specific thing that Jesus has done in the lives of his people. When we give a testimony, it carries prophetic significance. Testimony carries an anointing to bring about a change in the environment where the story that was just talked about is attainable right now here in the present. You see, the Old Testament word for testimony, it comes from the word, do again. And so every time you give your testimony, what is happening in the atmosphere, there is, there's, the atmosphere is charged, light comes, that this can be done again. It means we are conscious that God can invade the present with what he has done before. This is what has happened right here in this place. This, this church is full of powerful, amazing testimonies. People who have had their lives healed, their hearts restored, broken bodies healed. There is light, there is life in this place. You see, we don't want to give them a church that is just full of religion, do we? There's, there's so much of that already out there. We don't want to do that. What we want to give them is the light of Jesus through stories that have his grace and his mercy all over them. Forgiveness and healing, strength, deliverance, freedom. The next best thing after the Bible is your testimony. It's what God has done in your life. And when we arm ourselves with our testimonies, which are contrary to the spirits over a city, the light of Jesus penetrates the darkness. You see, when people can walk in here, they can look and they can see a bunch of sharp-looking, dressed people. But I want to tell you, I have evidence to prove contrary to that, all right? I've been talking to your pastor. No, now he hasn't been really sharing too many details. But I know in every church, the reason you're here is because of something God has done in your life, a transforming work. The testimony has the potential to tear down the strongholds in a person. Alcohol freedom to set alcoholics free. Freedom from lust to set porn addicts free. Freedom of peace to cast down fear. You know, there are no two aspen leaves alike anywhere in Alaska and Colorado and the entire world and the entire history of aspen leaves. Your testimony is unique. There is gold sitting in this church. There is strength sitting in this church. There is testimony sitting in this church. There is light sitting in this church. And what God wants to do supernaturally is to begin to elevate the visibility of this church by scattering that light out into every corner of this community. Don't hide the great things God has done in your life. You see, light gives life. 
That means there will be a multiplying, reproducing effect as you take those testimonies out into the community. How many like experts? How many of you like an expert? If you go to a doctor, how many want an expert if you're getting your knee surgery on your knee? And I tell you what, I haven't had knee surgery yet, but if I've got to get one, I would want an expert on my knee. If you, some of you mothers, if you go to drop your kids off at daycare because you have to work, how many of you are okay with just showing up the first day to Bubba's daycare and here's two dudes and they're in overalls spitting tobacco on the floor and man, you look in the building, there's more animals, cats and dogs and rats running around in there than there are kids and, and they just say, hey, howdy, ma'am, uh, just drop your kids off right here. What would you do, man? You're going to turn around and run the opposite direction. Why? Because you want an expert. How many want to be experts in the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? Man, I don't know about you. I want to be an expert in the grace of Jesus in his life. We're called to be disciples who make disciples. It's a new text abbreviation that I'm developing, DMD. Disciple making disciples. That's what you're called to do. Now, you got to get that texting stuff down because for years everybody was saying LOL on their text to me and on the Facebook, and I just, I thought it meant lots of love. I didn't know. And uh, I thought everybody was love. I thought Pastor Marty was showing me love, you know, for all this time, and found out it means laugh out loud. So, you know, you got to be dialed in on this stuff. DMD, a disciple making disciples. Go and make disciples is the Great Commission. Shouldn't that be our mission? You know, the reason why we don't see an increase of visibility is that there are far too many fans of Jesus in the church. This is what I've discovered over the years. Far too many that are just willing to gather but will not go out and be missional and scatter into the community. I want to ask you today, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Christ? A fan of Jesus is simply an enthusiastic admirer and enthusiasm is good. Hey, I loved it coming in here today with the wonderful worship team and the smiles and the praise of God. Enthusiasm, admiration is good, but being a disciple is so much more than just that. It means that you are a completely committed follower of Jesus. We must be DMDs. And I believe that the vision that is in this house is to make disciples that will make disciples. You see, if we're training people just to have knowledge without action, then all we will have is a church full of Gnostics, people that just have knowledge. As a pastor, I don't get worn out by too many things. I'm pretty upbeat. But there is one thing that wears me out as a pastor. I get worn out over people who will, they refuse to live on mission, and yet they criticize all of those who are trying to live out a mission-shaped life. The knowledge base needs to lead to an action life, a life that is intentional. It means that we have to get up off our blessed assurance and live intentional lives. Every one of us should be living mission-shaped lives. We really should. Disciples don't just know, disciples do. Changed people, changing the world. In Acts chapter 1, we receive the Jesus mission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we, sometimes we think that, you know, these early disciples, they had more than what we have today. I want to tell you, we have what they had. What did they have? They had the teachings of Jesus. They were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. They had the power of the Holy Spirit. They had unity. They had prayer. We have what they had. We have the teachings of Jesus. We have all of his teachings, plus we even get the epistles, Ephesians, Corinthians, Romans, the mystery writer of, of Hebrews. Hey, if you're like me, you even have maps in the back of your Bible. 
We were, we're witnesses of the, reg, of the resurrection, not that we were eyewitnesses, but we have seen the dead come to life because we, the dead, have come to life. Amen? We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have unity. Just look around you, this gathering today. Think of the incredible unity it takes for everyone to gather here today. We have unity. We have prayer. I love that prayer time up here today. Prayer as we gather together. We have what they had. So how do we increase our visibility by living mission-shaped lives? And then we need to simply shine in our community. We just simply need to shine. You see, the gospel is all about multiplication. In the book of Genesis, they were called to multiply and to fill the earth. When Jesus came, he sent his disciples on mission, disciples making disciples. That means that there is going to be reproduction. There is going to be multiplication that is going to take place right here at harvest time. And I challenge you that you receive this word, that you make it your mission to be a disciple that makes disciples. That's the only thing I read about. There's no other type of Acts chapter 2 kind of disciple than what we're talking about today. Disciples that make disciples. Pastor Marty Sloan, I've been listening to your your teachings and, and the vision that you've been casting. And as I've been listening to those, I just want you to know as a congregation, you are blessed with an amazing visionary leader. This guy brings it every week, and and I know his heart for this community, this city. And I think this is a great series to start the year out with, to elevate, to elevate, to come up, to rise up, a call to the church to to rise to the occasion. And as I was praying about this, Pastor Marty, I, I had this picture of you as an elevator. You are the elevator. You are the one that God is using. It's his power that lifts up. It's his power that that increases visibility. But he's using you as a visionary leader to be able to bring all of the individuals in this house for them to increase in their visibility. The Lord spoke to me, and I really believe that this community of faith is going to go supernova, a sustained missional supernova movement of the kingdom of God. If you guys believe this, would you just say with me, say this, repeat after me, say, Pastor Marty, an elevator, we're going supernova, we will live mission-shaped lives, we are going to take the light of Jesus into every corner of Fort Smith, throughout Arkansas, the United States of America, and to the ends of the earth. You are a visionary leader. God has set you in this house. We will do what God has called us to do, to give all glory to Jesus and all honor to his name. In Jesus' name. Hey, let's give Jesus some applause today in the house. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me? And I just want to give a concluding prayer over you as a congregation. God, I thank you for this group of individuals here that gather together, this faith community that is called Harvest Time. And God, I pray that with what we've shared today in these simple passages of Scripture, God, about us being light, Lord, we just simply say today, we confess our need for you. We need you, Holy Spirit, that we would live out this Jesus mission. Lord, I pray that everyone here would would take these words to heart. And Lord, that this week we would look for opportunity to shine brightly in this community, in our homes, at work, on the streets, in Jesus' name.